This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Um, we are continuing in the, the topic of Ephesians chapter 4, God's desire for church. And we are looking at the unity of the faith. What are the things that God desires us to grow into maturity and we've been looking at uh, what we believe. We're looking at God, sin, salvation. Uh, last week we spoke about uh, baptism. And this morning I want to continue with um, the Holy Spirit. What do we believe about the Holy Spirit? Last week we spoke about baptism as a powerful reality and initiation into the kingdom of God. Um, and, and, and we spoke about some aspects of, of the significance of baptism. And, and one of those aspects is the reality that through baptism as an expression of our salvation, it deals with our past. It deals with our sins that we have committed. Our old man is crucified with Christ so that the body of sin might be done away with. But baptism um, cannot empower me to live a life free of sin. It ushers me into the kingdom, it deals with my past, but it is limited to enable me to live the life that God desires me to. And we need something else for that. And that is where the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes in. Here in, in, in Matthew chapter 3, we read John say the following, he says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And so this morning we want to look at the second baptism, and that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What exactly do we believe concerning the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Now, of course... I cannot possibly in one sermon share all the things around what we believe concerning the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so I want to invite you, if you want more, to come to Bible school. But I just want to um, share a few things that the Holy Spirit impressed on my heart for us this morning. When we look at this promise of the Holy Spirit that Jesus was referring to, or John was referring to, and then Jesus also stated, um, it, it was spoken to a generation of Israel that had a very clear understanding of the role of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, where the Holy Spirit came upon a select few individuals that empowered them to be prophets and leaders at specific times. But it was limited to a, a, a specific few, and, and, and one of those characteristics of having the Holy Spirit being filled, empowered by the Holy Spirit with, with twofold. Firstly, those prophets and kings had a very close relationship with God. And secondly, from that closeness and intimacy with God, God spoke through them and used them mightily to lead the nation and to speak on God's behalf. So there were two key elements in the Empowerment of the Holy Spirit in the context of the Old Testament was relationship, intimacy, and empowerment. And, and so at Pentecost, we, we see the powerful outpouring of the Holy Spirit over in, in 120 people, male, female, old, young, 
random people. The Holy Spirit came and empowered them, and, and they powerfully spoke in different tongues and, and, and prophesied, glorifying God in, in different languages. And, and in the middle of Jerusalem, at the great feast, where there were so many different Jews from all over the world hearing the gospel in their own language, confused by the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, and, and perplexed and, and, and curious about what's going on. And some even thought they were drunk because they couldn't understand what they were saying. And, and so then Peter, empowered by the Holy Spirit, stood up and, and gave the first sermon of the New Testament. Actually, the establishment of the church took place right there at Pentecost as 3,000 people believed and were baptized. But I want us just to listen at the sermon as an introduction to the Holy Spirit. And, and so Peter here from Acts chapter 2 from verse 14, Then Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judah and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. These are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But what was spoken by the prophet Joel, and now he quotes Joel chapter 2, a great prophecy of the Holy Spirit coming upon all flesh. He says, and shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servant and on my maid servants, I will pour out my, my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy and I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in heavens beneath, the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Very powerfully introduction into what was manifesting all around in Jerusalem through the 120. As the Holy Spirit powerfully was poured out. On all flesh. And, and this is the point. Peter makes this so powerfully, quoting the prophet and the great promise that God's going to pour out his spirit, not just on a select few, but on all flesh. Male, female, young, old, free, and slave alike. God's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. And they shall prophesy and see dreams and, and proclaim the message of God. He then continues... Um, to explain that Jesus is indeed the Messiah and that this what you see is just a sign of the fulfillment of the coming of the Messiah and that pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And then we read their response. And I'm going to read in, in, in the closing remark of Peter from verse 36. And you can please read that entire sermon at home. He says, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? What shall we do in response to this good news? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and all who are far off, everyone who the Lord our God calls to himself. What a powerful introduction to the church, the purposes of God, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and the fulfillment of so many prophecies 
the long-awaited prophecy that God will one day pour His Spirit out on all flesh. So what do we believe concerning the Holy Spirit? Now, like I said before, I cannot possibly share everything. But in short, first of all, what we believe concerning the Holy Spirit, that He is part of the Trinity. Part of the mystery of the Trinity, three persons in one, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Therefore, the Holy Spirit is not a power or a force, but a person. Equally, as the Father and the Son is a person, so is the Holy Spirit. We believe that the Holy Spirit will be poured out in all believers, and that He lives in and we become children of God as He lives in and through us, and we become the temple of God where the presence of God now lives within us. It is a sign for believers and unbelievers, and this empowerment of the Holy Spirit involves intimacy, fruit, and gifts of the Spirit. As a matter of fact, it is the normal Christian birth in the New Testament. In Acts and throughout the New Testament, we see that there was a pattern of how believers became Christians. And the pattern was faith, repentance, water baptism, and then baptism in the Holy Spirit. That's why when the people asked Peter, what shall we do? He said, repent, be baptized, and then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that was the pattern. There was exceptions, but the general pattern was simply this, faith, repentance, baptism, and the baptism, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And what happened in the early churches during the time of Saul, we all remember the persecution started of the Christians, and it became so harsh that most of the Christians started to flee Jerusalem, because Christendom in that day were mainly in Jerusalem itself. And, and so when the persecution started, the Christians within Jerusalem started to flee to the surrounding areas, to Judea, Samaria, and ultimately to the ends of the earth. And during this time, Philip was also fleeing the persecution, and he ended up in Samaria, just like Jesus said, you must go into all the world, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And so Philip ended up in Samaria, and he started to share the gospel, as all the Christians did, as they fled they shared the gospel, and so did Christianity grow. And so Philip shared the gospel with the Sumerians, and there was a great revival. They responded to the gospel and became Christian. It was amazing. And so we read here in Acts chapter 8 from verse 14 the following things as an example of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now when the apostles who were in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. Why? who, when they came down, prayed for them that they may receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he has had fallen upon none of them, for they only had been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So we see here as a pattern, example, that the baptism of the Holy Spirit, first and foremost, is an event in the life of a believer that is subsequent to salvation. They first believe, receive the Lord as their Lord and Savior, and then, as a subsequent event, receive the Holy Spirit. So if we read Acts, and there's many examples, the question that often is asked, can one be a Christian and not be baptized by the Holy Spirit? The answer is yes. You can be a Christian and not be baptized 
in the Holy Spirit. That's exactly what happened in Samaria. There was believers, they received the gospel, but they hadn't yet received the Holy Spirit, so they sent Peter and John to pray for them. And as they did, they received the Holy Spirit. Another example is Paul meeting new believers here in Acts chapter 19. And Paul had this tendency, whenever he met believers that he didn't disciple himself, the first thing he would ask them is, after he established that they were Christian, is, did you receive the Holy Spirit? And some of them said, no. And here's an example. We see here, and it happened that when Apollos was in Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. And there he found some disciples. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit? when you believed and they said no we we have not even heard that there is a holy spirit and then paul said but into what were you baptized in and they said into john's baptism and then paul said oh yeah john baptized with the baptism of repentance telling people to believe in the one who has come after him that is jesus on hearing this they were baptized in the name of the lord jesus and then when paul had laid hands on them the holy spirit came on them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying and there was about 12 men in all. And so here we see another pattern. Faith, baptism, outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So what then is the purpose and need for the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Again, primarily two things that I want to share this morning is the purpose and the need for the Holy Spirit is twofold. First and foremost, intimacy. The Holy Spirit is not a power, but a person. And the empowerment, the outpouring, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is entering into a dimension of intimacy that was not there before. And that makes it very powerful. And the second reason for the need for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is to be empowered. Is to be empowered to do the will of God. And that's very important. Intimacy and empowerment. The Holy Spirit will change man from the inside out, an inward work that will um, manifest itself outwardly. It will produce an outward result. And it's not just prophecy and visions, but, but this inward change will produce a lifestyle of godliness, Christ-likeness, as we continue in a relationship. Because again, it's not a power but a person, and in this relationship with him, we are being changed more and more into the image and likeness of Christ. And that manifests in fruit, which is character, and the gift, which is an outward manifestation. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit continues inward and outward as God is working in and through us. Another example here, we read in Acts chapter 1 from verse 4 to 8, very powerfully, Jesus, just before he ascended to heaven, when all the disciples were together, said the following, And then being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come down together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will, this, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And then Jesus said to them, 
It is not for you to know the times and seasons for which the Father has put in His own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be my witnesses in, of me in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I just want to add something for free. What is so powerful what Jesus is saying? As Jews, they had an understanding that the Messiah would come and deliver them from the Roman oppression. And they had a very uh, um, pressing political question whether Jesus is going to, when are you going to restore the kingdom? Because you were here and you did nothing. And now you're going back to the Father, and you still didn't do anything about the political reality that we're living in. Now that you're promising the Holy Spirit, is this the time that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus said, that's not the important thing here. So this is for something, for someone. I don't know who you are, just for free. Don't worry about the politics. What is more important is that you may be empowered with the Holy Spirit, so that you can become witnesses. But that was just for free. Again, an example of a powerful inward change that produces an outward change. Don't worry about the politics. There's something far greater at play. You see, the, the apostles, the, the believers... when Christ was arrested and crucified, they were afraid and they were running away. They were hiding. And even in the upper room, the doors were closed out of fear of the Jews. And then something powerful happened when the Holy Spirit came upon them. They became bold, excited, and they stepped out in public and shared the gospel openly. Something radically changed. When the Holy Spirit poured himself out in them, they became bold witnesses. And so, of course, we also read of the, the gifts of the Spirit that empower us to become effective ministers in the kingdom of God. And th- that is important to note. But the most important thing is, there, is, is it's not a force, it's not a power, but a relationship that that changes that changes us one of the most radical changes that takes place in a human's heart and life is when they surrender to Christ when they accept him as Lord and Savior everything changes it's radical and then we grow in our relationship with God and then there's a second event that changes everything And that might happen simultaneously. It might take some time to happen. But when the empowerment of the Holy Spirit comes, everything changes again. Radically. And so we see that in the life of the apostles in the early church. And we read of the gifts that accompanies this internal change that manifests outwardly. We read it in 1 Corinthians 12. Now, Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another the message of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another the gift of healings by the one Spirit. To another the miraculous power. To another prophecy. To another discerning of spirits. To another, yes, 
speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and the same Spirit, as He distributes to each of them just as He determines. And so we see that the, the inward change manifests in a very powerful way. But what is even more important than the gifts, is the purpose of the Holy Spirit falling on all flesh. The most prominent reason for this is greater intimacy with God. In, in John 16, um, we read the following Jesus saying, But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you asks me, where are you going? And because of these things you, you, you've heard, you, now sorrow has filled your hearts. And nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. If I don't go away, the helper will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. It's a very challenging statement Jesus is making. He's saying to John, Peter, Andrew, and the rest of the disciples, we personally have been discipled. Imagine that, personally being discipled by Jesus for three years. And Jesus says, it is to your advantage that I go away. It is to your advantage, John, Andrew, Peter, it is to your advantage that I go to the Father. Because if I do, I will send you another helper who will be with you forever. How can it be better than having Jesus with us in the flesh? How can it be to our advantage? One of the reasons is because Jesus in his earthly ministry could take his disciples only so far. I can teach you everything the Father shows me. Everything I hear, I, I, I can share with you. I can teach you about the kingdom and the ways of the kingdom and the will and the desire of the Father, but I cannot change you. That's why it is to your advantage that I go away. Because when He comes, He will live within you and change you to become what you have heard from me. I can teach you many things, but you need to be changed in your heart. And that is one of the most powerful roles of the Holy Spirit. With everything they learned and seen from Jesus, they all ran away when they arrested him. But something happened at Pentecost. All of a sudden, they were bold and not afraid to die. As a matter of fact, they all did, in the face of persecution except for John, bold in their faith. Something changed within them. Jesus gives the great commission to his disciples and then he tells them, please, before you do anything, especially you, Peter, and you, Thomas, before you do anything, wait. Wait for the Holy Spirit. Because when he comes upon you, he will empower you to be witness. He will change you. He will enable you to do my commandments. And, it's not, and, and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit is not just 
to be witnesses. But if we read the prophecies around it, Ezekiel is a good example. He says, I will give you, a, a, Ezekiel 36, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and to be careful to obey my rules. And it's so powerful. God is saying is, you have a heart of stone. You have a sinful, selfish nature that simply wants to do what it wants to do. But there's going to come a day when I'm going to take out that heart of stone and I'm going to pour my spirit within you that will enable you to do what I desire you to do. Because all the law can do is point to the fact that you have a heart of stone. It cannot change you. But my spirit will. And one day, I'm going to rip out that heart of stone and pour my spirit into you. And it will enable you. It's all by God's grace. It is God's grace that saves us. It's God's grace that enables us to do the will of God. That's why Jesus tells his disciples, it is to your advantage that I go away. And before you do something, please, just wait. Because when he comes, the helper, the comforter, he, 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 will, he will empower you, he will change you, he will bring to remembrance everything that I've said to you, and he will enable you to do those very things that I've commanded you to do. That's why Galatians 5 verse 16 says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Baptism can deal with my past, but it doesn't have the ability to change me to become what God desires me to. That is where the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes in. And He changes us. He enables us. Through a relation. It's not a power. It's not a force. It's not a switch you put on and off. It is a beginning of an intimacy with God that leads me, that, that, des that changes my desires and, and, and my ability to do what God calls me to do from a place of intimacy. The empowerment of the Holy Spirit enables us to do the will of God from the inside out. First by taking out the heart of stone, the sinful nature, and then through a relationship teaching us and enabling us to become and bear fruit of children of God. And I remember in my own life, I, I, I grew up in a, in a conservative church, the Dutch Reformed Church. I love the Dutch Reformed Church. I got saved in the Dutch Reformed Church. I got exposed and my love for the Word of God and, and worshiping God. Man, you must sing a psalm and a song in it weer. So no one done. <laughs> I, 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 I learned to, to love God and His people. And, and, and I was hungry for more. I was hungry for more. I wanted, I wanted to grow more in my relationship. And as a young man in my 20s, I, I, I had such a desire to grow more. And I, and I read a book of Andrew Murray, one of the great Dutch Reform ministers that God used to lead a, a revival in South Africa. And he wrote a whole book on the Holy Spirit. And his empowerment, baptism of the Holy Spirit, from a Dutch Reformed perspective, they didn't believe in it. And I read the first chapter of Andrew Murray's book, The Holy Spirit, and I closed the book and I said, God, if it worked for Andrew Murray, I want it to. I want to be empowered. I want to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. And nothing happened. So I went to bed. 
And I know I've told the story, but at three in the morning, God woke me up, and I was powerfully baptized with the Holy Spirit, a vivid, real experience in my life, experiencing the Holy Spirit in me. And from that day, everything changed again. All of a sudden, the Word of God became alive. And you know, sometimes you read and you read and nothing makes sense to you. When, when I was empowered by the Holy Spirit, baptized by the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden, I, I couldn't pass it. Sometimes a verse. But just, well, this is just so amazing. It just became alive to me. God was starting to speak to me in ways I didn't experience Him before. Uh, I, soon after, I, 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 w- I was at a, at a service, it was a shofar service, and, and they made an outer call for those who received the Holy Spirit but haven't yet received uh, the gift of speaking in tongues to come forward and I came forward and, and they prayed for me and I, and I received my tongue and, and, and everything changed again and, and all of a sudden I, I, could, I could start my quiet time by just praying in the spirit just simply praying in the spirit until I experienced God's presence and then start to pray with my understanding it became the one most of precious things in my life just spending time with God in a new level of intimacy through the Holy Spirit. The evidence of this, of this baptism starts internally and then manifests outwardly. Outwardly in the, in, the, in the gifts, but also the fruit of the Spirit. As we read in Galatians 5, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are all things that develop through a relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit that continually changes us as we are being exposed to a, a new level of intimacy with Him. The fruit of the Spirit is internal character changes that manifest and grow outwardly. You know, it's that thing when people see you and say, but you have changed. It's when Christ's likeness is formed more and more in us. And then, of course, there's the, the, the outward empowerment of the Holy Spirit through the gifts. The evidence of the gifts is, is the prophecy and, and the healing and the miracles and the words of wisdom and knowledge and speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues. And this is important for us as charismatics to remember. The outward manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit is meant to be witnesses. It's meant to be empowering us to be more effective witnesses. And sometimes we use the gifts as an, almost as the fruit. You know, it's something internal that we use for one another. But it's meant to empower us to be effective witnesses. And so we see the inward character change according to the will of God and then the outward gift change according to the will of God. One for me to become more like Christ and the other one to become more an effective witness of Christ. But this all is rooted in this primary understanding of a relationship and intimacy, not a power, but an intimacy with the Holy Spirit that leads me to want to do these things, enable me to actually become these things through a continual relationship with him. Because all of a sudden he's taken out that desire to do what I want and he places a desire to want to do what he wants. And then my prayer life and my desire changes to what he wants and in that relationship with him enables me to do so it's all my grace. It's not for my works. Through this relationship with him. 
When the believer receives the Holy Spirit, the empowerment, they become effective witnesses with boldness, powerfully flowing in the gifts and changing to become more Christ-like in character. And remember, tongues and prophecies and healings are not the only gifts. You know, in Romans chapter 12, we, we read of other gifts. The same Greek word that we read in 1 Corinthians. It says, in having gifts differing according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in the proportion of our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberty, he who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Teaching, giving, leading, the same Greek word, all outward in nature, making us more effective in the kingdom of God and the church and beyond. You know, there's something powerful that I've noted in my own life, you know. I have a standard grade matric. That's it. I nearly failed my languages because I can't read and I couldn't speak English well. My wife saw my metric results once. We were already married, fortunately. <laughs> Completely different to us. But you know, something happened in my life. Something happened. If you were to meet my high school class, and you tell them I speak before people, and I'm a leader, they will not believe you. I will not tell you I was in high school. I was that loner, that rebel without the cause. Antisocial. Something happened in my life. I wasn't my education. And, and so the Holy Spirit changes us. Not our own ability, in a relationship with Him, He enables us to become what He desires us to be. That's one of the most powerful things about the Holy Spirit. But it requires faith, a surrender to God, and a desire for Him. And here lies the key. The Holy Spirit is not a force, but a person. And in our faith, Obedience and desire for Him. It's when He enables, empower us to become. That's why Galatians 5, later on, verse 25 says, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. It will always be from a place of relationship with God. And I'm going to end off with this because our time is running out. In Luke chapter 11, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to see that God, sometimes the moment of salvation, God empowers us with the Holy Spirit. Other times, you, you, get, in, you get saved, and, and then you get baptized, and then there's some time, and then only, like, like the believers in Samaria, somebody prays for you, and you get empowered by the Holy Spirit. But the reality is, it, it comes from a place of desire for more. And so, and in Luke 11, Jesus teaches us to pray. He gives the Lord's Prayer. And then he teaches us to have patience and perseverance in asking until we receive. And so we read here from verse 5, and then he said to them, Which of you have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from, from within and say, 
Don't trouble me. The door is now shut and my children are in bed with me. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So, likewise, I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive. And he who seeks, finds. And he who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for a bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? Scorpion. So if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit if you ask Him? If you ask Him. Last week we, we shared about baptism as a powerful response to faith. As Philip ran next to the Enoch on, on that chariot and he, and, and, he, and he shared the scriptures with him. And, and then Enoch came to faith. And he said, what hinders me? What hinders me to be baptized? And the response is, if you believe. Nothing. And immediately, the chariot was stopped. They went down to the water and he was baptized. Well, this morning I'm asking you the same question. If you believe, if you believe Jesus saved you, if you follow him, what hinders you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? This morning, that's what we're going to do. We, we, I'm going I'm to pray and I'm going to dismiss the meeting. And then, and then those who, who, who desires to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, I'm going to give you an opportunity to come forward and, and we're going to pray for you. We're going to pray with you as you ask Him for the Holy Spirit. If you desire and you, and, and you believe, there's no reason not to receive. And, and so I'm going to pray for us. Then I'm going to dismiss the meeting. And, and those who want to come, come forward and we're going to minister to you. Is that okay? Great. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you this morning. We want to thank you for saving us. Lord, you've given us so much that we did not deserve. Not just forgiveness, but you, you poured out your Spirit in us as a gift. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the, the, the same Spirit that was assigned to John the Baptist, that Jesus is indeed the Son of God, capital letter, now lives in us. It's our guarantee that we belong to you. It's, it's, an, it's, it's the mystery that we become the temple of God. Your presence now lives within us. And, and you change us to become who you desire us to be. What a privilege. Lord, I want to pray for each and every one of us, Lord, that we will not take for granted what at great cost came to be ours. Not through our works, nor that we deserved it, but because of your grace. And Lord, so I pray for that desire that 
desire for that intimacy with you, knowing you, hearing your voice and knowing your will and, and, and becoming what you desire us to be. I want to pray for each and every one of us, Lord, that you are here, Lord, that we will respond to your invitation. For those who have been baptized and those who are still need to, that we, we will respond to you. Not as a power, but as a person, a relationship of intimacy with you. It is the most precious thing in my life. Just to be still with you in your presence. Pray in the tongue that you have given me. Praying in the spirit until I experience you. And then just from that place, read and, and pray with my understanding. There's nothing more precious than having you with us forever so I pray for each and every one of us just to respond to you right now in Jesus name I want to ask you while your eyes are closed just to take a moment in your own heart in your own words just respond to the Lord that what he spoke to you through today's message just in your own words to encourage you as the words this, this morning came that God desires to use us and he is greater he is more and there is so much more in him and you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you a spirit that lives within you if you have faith and a desire for more come and ask receive know change and go go in the power of his spirit as you continue in that relationship with him and maybe you are here this morning and you've never surrendered your life you've never come to that first step of giving your life to God in, in response to this great love and grace. I want to give you an opportunity this morning to do that. If you're here this morning and you want to surrender your life to God for the very first time, I want to ask you just to raise your hand and say, God, here I am, Lord. I want to respond to your love and your grace for me. I want to be your child. I want to be saved. I want to be sure that I belong to you. If that is you this morning, I just want you to respond by just raising your hand. Just put it up, just between you and the Lord. Thank you for that, Anne. Somebody will come and pray with you at the end of the service as you make this important decision just to surrender your life to Him. There is nothing more life-changing. There is nothing more valuable than surrendering your heart to God. It's the reason He sent His Son and it's worth it every single time. So somebody's going to pray with you as we celebrate that decision that you're making to surrender everything. You and, and as we are here together, maybe there's some of you that want to take that step for more to ask Him for His Spirit 
to be empowered, baptized by the Holy Spirit for a greater intimacy, empowerment to change and to become who He desires you to be. I'm going to dismiss the meeting and I'm going to ask the facilitators to come forward, the small group leaders to come forward and we're going to pray with you. So let me dismiss the meeting here. Yes. Thank you for coming. May God bless you. This great coffee. <laughs> Please fellowship. Um, but for those who want to receive more, I'm going to ask you to come forward and we're going to pray with you. And I'm going to ask the facilitators also to help the small group leaders. If you can come forward as well. If you have desire for more, come. Let us pray with you. Let's ask the Father. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.